0: out those beautiful songs that we heard this morning as we prepared our hearts for god isn't he beautiful as you prepare and you think about isn't he beautiful and then we heard there is no rock from the psalms there is no rock except our god no rock except our jesus christ what an amazing testimony and then we dedicated ourselves here i am god here i am to worship here i am to bow down What an amazing spirit we have gathered together with us today. Let us carry that as we open the Bibles and read his word and praise his name. If you will stand with me and we will read God's word from John chapter 15, I'll read verses 1 to 17. And then I will pray for God to open our hearts and then I will ask you to be seated. John chapter 15 reads, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruits and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. It's The word of God, let's pray. Father God, today again we hear this command, abide in me. And then, God, we see the many blessings that you have held out for us as your church, as your chosen people. I pray, God, today that hearts would be touched, that we would renew our commitment to you. That we would take hold of these blessings that you have guaranteed to us in your mercy and in your grace. God, let us not just be hearers of your word, but doers of your word. Go to work in us, Holy Spirit. Work out our salvation for your glory. Let your people hear and let your people respond in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. There is a psychological disorder that affects many people called the fear of missing out, or FOMO for short. Very Well Mind defines it as the fear of missing out refers to the feeling or perception that others are having more fun living better lives or experiencing better things than you are. It involves a deep sense of envy that affects self-esteem and it's often made worse by social media sites like Instagram and Facebook. Part of the reason Why it's hard for us to commit our lives to Christ and to abide in him is because we have this fear of missing out. I can remember when I was going to college and I had grown up in the church and the members were encouraging me to stay involved in the church. I had campus groups, Christian groups reach out to me, but I hesitated because I had this fear of missing out. I saw the college experience of all those other people and I didn't want to miss out on that. I thought, well, I won't be as bad as them, but I don't want to be tied down because of the church. And it doesn't just apply to college students, though. If you really inspect your life, you can probably find some examples. Why do we buy a house that's much bigger than we need? Or buy stuff that we don't really need? Well, everybody else has a nice house, (laughs) right? Um, We don't want to be the only ones without that stuff or that car. When do we feel the most unhappy at work? No matter what your salary is, we feel the most unhappy when we look at other people and see that they're making more than us or getting more recognition than us. We feel like we're missing out on something that we should have. That's one of the things that makes not being able to have kids so hard. You look around and it seems like everybody else is just popping out kids on accident. But for some reason, you can't have kids. You feel like you're missing out on something. And that's a real thing that I think affects every one of us. And actually today, I'm not even going to tell you that you shouldn't have this fear of missing out. It can be bad in some cases. But what I want you to think about is, is your fear of missing out for the wrong reasons? Are you afraid of missing out on the wrong things? Have you ever stopped to think about what you might be missing out on from God because of your disobedience and unwillingness to obey his word? Or when you do all these other busy things, instead of praying and spending time with God, do you ever think about what you might be missing out on? That's what Christ calls us to in John 15, 7 to 17. He holds out several things that come from abiding in him. Last week, we talked about remember who you are in Christ. You're chosen. And only by abiding in Christ can you achieve your destiny of being saved by his grace. But this week... I want to think about this fear of missing out and the cost of our worldliness. There are a lot of Christians who are saved by grace, have given their life to Christ, but they're not staying with Christ every day. We go in and we go out. And God says you're missing out because you're not fully abiding in me. So I want to group the things that Christ mentions into three categories. First of all, if you're not fully abiding, you're missing out on increased faith. And then if you're not fully abiding, you're missing out on experienced favor. Finally, if you are not fully abiding, you are missing out on deeper fellowship. Let's look at this first point in verse 7. Christ says that if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Think about that. Whatever you wish and it will be done for you. But I hope that everybody sees the conditions that are set out. It starts with, if you abide in me. So if you're not abiding, you're missing out (laughs) on this blessing. And then it says, and my word abides in you. That Greek word for word means the literal words of Christ. And we have the words of Christ here in this Bible. So if you don't know the word of Christ, if you're not abiding in the word of Christ and it's not abiding in you, You're missing out on this blessing. The unspoken truth here is that if you are abiding in Christ and his word, you will ask for the things that Christ would ask for. And we know that whatever Christ would ask for will be done. The father would give him. With that in mind, think about the fact that it's God's pleasure to answer your prayers. The phrase in verse eight that says, by this My father is glorified. It connects the end of verse 8 with verse 7. When God's children pray to him and he answers, he is glorified. You've experienced this as grandparents or great uncles and aunts, great grandparents or parents. When your children ask you for something they need and you give it to them and they are grateful, that is an amazing feeling. If we, being sinners, know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more does our perfect Father in heaven know how to give good gifts and take pleasure in giving good gifts? So God says when you depend on him and you ask for things and he gives them to you, he is glorified. And then the second part of verse 8 goes back to bearing fruit. We started last week talking about bearing fruit. That's your purpose in life is to bear fruit for Christ. So what Christ does here is tie answered prayers to bearing fruit, to achieving your purpose for life. He says, that's how you prove to be my disciples. The picture is that the disciples depend on God for everything. And so they're asking for a lot of stuff. If you depend on God for for breath, (laughs) you're asking God for a lot of things. And he's going to give it to you if you're abiding in Christ. As he answers your prayers, your faith grows. But if you're not depending on God as much, if you're just assuming and taking for granted all those blessings, you're missing out on an opportunity to have your faith grow. Look at this example from Matthew chapter 17. Let's turn there really quickly. Matthew chapter 17, the first book in our New Testament. I'm going to focus in on verse 19 and 20, but the context here is that Jesus had sent out the disciples into, the, into Jerusalem and into the surrounding area, and they were doing many miracles. But they came upon a boy who had violent seizures, and they could not cast out the demon that was causing the seizures. And a crowd started to gather around, and the Pharisees and all the doubters were saying, wait a minute, suddenly they can't do something. And Jesus comes, and he casts out the demon. That's the background, but look at what we get in verse 19 and 20. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? He said to them, Because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. So Christ ties our faith to God's answering of our prayers. And what we know about the disciples is later on in Acts, after Christ filled them with the Holy Spirit, they would go all around the world casting out demons and doing all types of miracles. So the difference between the disciples in Matthew chapter 17 and the disciples in Acts is that they had spent more time with Christ. They had been filled by the Holy Spirit and they were abiding in him. What they missed out on in Matthew chapter 17, they were able to see later in their life because of their abiding in Christ. That's what Christ is inviting you to today. From these verses, you can see that the lack of faith is what prevented the disciples from getting the answer to their prayers. But as they abided in Christ more, their faith grew and they got answers and they proved to be his disciples. That's an illustration from the Bible. I want to share a personal illustration from my life. I remember when I was driving with my family from San Antonio, Texas, east to Houston. It's about a three-hour drive. We were driving on Christmas Day. We had just spent Christmas Eve with my wife's family. We wanted to spend Christmas Day with my family. And we were in a hurry, so we decided to get breakfast on the road. We didn't account for the fact that most restaurants are closed on Christmas Day. And And we were already too far to turn back. And so we had to face a problem. We, we, we got off the feeder, and we went to about 10 different restaurants. They were all closed. And I don't know if you've ever ridden in a car with hungry children and a hungry wife. It's not good. <laughs> so I did the only thing I could do. I prayed. And I said, God, I know this is a small thing, but it would really be nice if you could help us find an open restaurant. And I'm telling you, I had not even finished a prayer before there was a McDonald's at the next exit. You know God still answers prayers. And it might seem like something silly, but that's the type of dependence that God is talking about. Whatever you ask for in my name, it will be done for you. And because I prayed, my children got to see God answer a prayer My children got to have their faith increased because God answered that small prayer. They're like, whoa, we can ask God for McDonald's? Like, (laughs) we can ask God for anything? That's the type of continual dependence that Christ is offering for you. And do you believe that? Can you accept that? When you ask God for something and he answers, it increases your faith for the next time. As your faith grows, you pray more. You become a prayer warrior. When people look at you and see your reliance on Christ, and they see how God answers your prayers, you become a disciple and God is glorified. God doesn't just do those miracles for your sake so you can be happy and comfortable. He does it for his glory. So ultimately, when you're not abiding in Christ fully, you're missing out on glorifying God. Let me ask you, are you asking God for the big things and the small things? Are you depending on him as much as you can? Has somebody ever come up to you and, with a problem or a serious concern, and they asked you to pray for them, or you said, I'll pray for you, and then you forgot later on? And then later you find out that God did it anyway. <laughs> Don't you feel that pain, like, darn it, I forgot to pray? And you should. You missed out. You missed out on an opportunity to have God answer your prayer because you were distracted. The cost of your worldliness was the increase in your faith in that instant. Don't let yourself be so distracted by the world that you miss out on these chances to increase your faith. But not only do you miss out on increased faith when you're not abiding, but you missed out on experienced favor. Jesus begins in verse 9. By telling us that he loves us the same way his father loves him. Think about that. We believe that Christ was with God before the creation of all the universes. He loved him then. It's a love bigger than we can ever imagine. We can't even fathom how much God loves Jesus. He's inviting you into that love. Into that favor. Can you accept that? If you're a non-believer here and you haven't accepted Christ, even if you have but you have doubts, hear this invitation from Jesus. He's inviting you into something you can't even imagine, the love between an eternal father and his eternal son. Will you accept that invitation today? If you have accepted Christ, hear the command from the last part of verse 9. He says, abide in my love. Stay in my love. How can you abide in Christ's love? He gives you the answer in verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So every time you let the Holy Spirit make you be patient instead of cussing somebody out, you're abiding in his love. Every time the Spirit gives you self-control, and you decide that you're not going to eat that extra piece of cake or extra donut, you're abiding in Christ's love. Every time you make sacrificial love to help somebody else, you're obeying Christ and you're abiding in his love. On the flip side, if you choose to ignore Christ's commands, like I'm not letting them take advantage of me, you're missing out. You're stepping outside of Christ's love. Verse 11 tells us that you are missing out on full joy. And that's kind of what we all want in life. Constitution says life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? Everybody wants to be happy, but Christ is offering you something better. Happiness depends on what's going on right now. It's temporary. It can be taken away from you. But joy, the joy that is bound up in the love of Christ and God, it's eternal. eternal. Nobody can take away that joy from you. That's what Christ is offering to you. The world says you need a bunch of stuff to keep feeling that excitement that you feel. They say, go a bunch of places. That's where you'll find happiness. Eat a bunch of food. That's my my big one. (laughs) Satisfy your flesh. That's how you have happiness. Christ says, no, obey my commandments. That's where true joy is. That's the joy that Christ is inviting believers and non-believers in. And the reason why it's so joyful is because your Father is proud of you. When Christ says he's abiding in the Father's love, he's not just talking about the eternal love. He's talking about the pleasure, the favor of God. That word agape can be translated as to be pleased with. So if you think about when you obey God's commandments... He is pleased with you. I know many of us have a strained relationship with our father, or maybe our father has gone, has died already, or maybe some people never even knew their real father, and you feel like that's missing. I remember watching the movie The Case for Christ, and in that movie, there's a Christian, I mean, there's an, an atheist newspaper writer, and he's an atheist. He's so strong, he sets out to prove that Christianity is fake. And he goes to all these places and talks to all these people. But in one particular scene, he talks to a psychologist. She's a Christian psychologist by God's providence. And as he's asking her all these questions, she asks him a question. Did you have a bad relationship with your father? He's like, yeah, I had a terrible relationship with my father. What does that matter and how do you know? She says, most people who don't believe in God can't accept him as the father because they have a bad relationship with their father. But that's what Christ is inviting you into. No matter what your relationship is like with your father, he says there's a relationship with your eternal father that is so much better than that. Your father, when you obey his commands, is proud of you. And I know as reformed Christians, we get hesitant when we start saying that God is proud of something that we've done. That, you know, we always say, well, my, your best work is filthy rags. But not in Christ. If you're abiding in Christ, your sins are forgiven, and your Father is proud of you when you obey him. That's why he says, work out your own salvation, for it is God who works in you to will and to work for his good pleasure. So what Christ is inviting you into, when you obey him, he's saying, come and let your daddy be proud of you. When my, kid, when my kids draw me pictures for Father's Day or whatever and I hang them up on the bridge and I look at those and I'm proud of them. Those of us that have children, we know we love our kids no matter what, but we feel favor and pleasure towards them when they obey. When they do something, it comes spontaneously, if they say something that you've been trying to teach them. Don't you feel that pride in that moment? That's what God feels when you obey his commands. And Christ says, no, 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 don't get distracted. Come here. Abide in that love. Abide in knowing that your Father is proud of you. That's what you're missing out on if you choose not to obey God. And then not only are you missing out on experienced favor when you're not fully abiding in, not only are you missing out on increased faith, but Christ says you're missing out on deeper fellowship Look at verse 13 in, in John 15. It says, Greater love has no one than this, that somebody lay down his life for his friends. And that comes from verse 12 when he tells the disciples, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So we just talked about God's favor when you obey his commands. And he says the main command that flows from that love of the Father is that you love your brothers and sisters in Christ. That is the most important command, and it flows from God's love. 1 John tells us that if you say you love your father and you hate your brother who you see, you're a liar. So Christ says, allow the love that I have for you to overflow into love for your Christian brothers and sisters. That fellowship is what Christ wants you to have. And what is it based on? It's based on Christ's sacrifice. So if you think, I want to love those people at church, but they are annoying or they are mean. Christ says, I died for you. Think about all your evil thoughts and all your evil actions. I love you anyway. Abide in that love and then pour it out on those flawed people that you're at church with. Pour out that love on Brigham City Bible. That's what Christ's command is. If you're really abiding then you will do that. That's what Christ wants the church to be like. And we've got so much division in the church today. And it's because we're choosing to gossip about the people at church. We're choosing to tear down the people at church and make fun of them instead of building them up. But we're missing out. The church is missing out on everything that Christ has for us. And the only way we can dwell in This type of love and this type of fellowship that Christ has is by accepting his pardon for our sins and admitting that we are sinners. And when we do that, Christ says we get elevated to a different level of fellowship. Look what he says in verse 15. He says, no longer do I call you servants for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. So Christ says, you move from being a servant to being a friend to God. To God who was before, he invites you in. He says, when you're abiding in me and you're loving on your church, I'm going to tell you things That nobody else knows all that the Father has told me, I will tell you. That's where the peace comes from that surpasses all understanding. That's why we can praise him and we cry sometimes for no reason. It's because we know things about that fellowship that nobody else knows. We know how good he's been to us. That's what God is inviting you into. And that's what you're missing out on when you choose not to obey him. God wants fellowship with you. That's what the Old Testament tells us over and over again. Moses and the prophets, over and over again, he says, I will be your God and you will be my people. That's God wants fellowship with you. Do you understand how far God has gone to have fellowship with you? Jesus summarizes all the blessings in verse 17 and 16. All those blessings flow from the sacrifice that Christ made. If we look at verse 13, "Is greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his, his life for his friends, and then we get the fellowship, we get the favor, and we get the increased faith. All of that is summarized again for us. But Christ says it's based on his sacrifice. It's based on the fact that God has gone so far that you might abide with him. Paul says that although he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he humbled himself so that he could come and have fellowship with you, taking the form of a man. He lived on earth for 33 long and obedient years. And then one Friday after Passover, he allowed himself to be captured. The Bible tells us that he was beaten, he was bruised, he was spit on, he was crushed for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. They hung him high and they stretched him wide. Oh God, why have you forsaken me? He cried. He said, it is finished. He hung his head and died. The soldiers came and pierced him in his side. And the blood flowed down. The blood flowed down and it was for your sins. His blood, it cleanses you again and again. But that is not the end. He stayed there all night Friday. He stayed there all day Saturday. But early on Sunday morning, he got up with all power in his hands. And he said in John 14, In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? And if I go and make a place for you, I'm coming again. It's because he lives that we can face tomorrow. Because he's coming again. And he's going to take us to himself. But you can have that joy now. The joy of that promise, you can have it now. Don't miss out. Don't miss out on increased faith. Don't miss out on experienced favor. Don't miss out on deeper fellowship. And that day, when Christ returns, you will see fullness of faith because you will see him face to face. You will see his favor when he says, well done, my good and faithful servant." You will be abiding in him because your sins are forgiven. He will say, come on up a little higher. And join me, join the angels, join the saints in worshiping this God forever. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. At his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. That's what we look forward to. But Christ says you can have a taste of that now. Don't miss out. Don't miss out on that Brigham City Bible. Don't let the world cause you to miss out on everything that Christ has for you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. Oh, the depths of your love. Lord, I pray with Paul that you might allow your people to see the width and the depth and the height and the length of your love for us. That we might abide in that love. Forgive us, God, for wanting everything in the world and not realizing what we're missing out on in you. As we hear this word today, God, deliver us from our worldliness and make us more like Christ. Give us the joy that only you can give in Jesus Christ. Make Brigham City Bible the church that represents abiding in Christ. We pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.